0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today is Wisdom Wednesday, where we dive into the book of Proverbs. We're going to be in chapter number six, beginning in verse number 20 to start the day off with. It's going to be an exciting ride, so hold on tight and let's turn to the Lord in prayer, asking for his blessing. Father, we are grateful for everything that you have done for us at this point in our week. Lord, we pray that you will bless us in a mighty way with speaking to us lord through your word we may be able to connect with you in a mighty way we thank you for loving us we thank you for telling us these things that you revealed to us through solomon here in the proverbs and pray that we take it to heart we may live for you serve you and and rejoice in your presence thank you lord amen Alright guys, here we are at Proverbs chapter number 6, beginning in verse number 20. We'll read down through the scripture here, and then return to have a little commentary. Verse 20, My son, keep your father's command, and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart, tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. And when you wake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. To keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a harlot a man is reduced to a crust of bread. And an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire to his bosom, and his clothes not be burned? Can a woman or can one walk on hot coals, and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife? Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Yet when he has found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Wounds and dishonor he will get, and his reproach will not be wiped away. For jealousy is a husband's fury." therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will accept no recompense, nor will he be appeased, though you give him many gifts. This is a fantastic place in scripture and it's a rejoicing to my soul because with Solomon you're going to find him speaking often about adultery or about being faithful and oddly enough it would be coming from solomon who would be talking about these things as being is that he had uh, so many wives and so many concubines so needless to say when when we talk about solomon and being the wisest man that ever lived as revealed rather in ecclesiastes or here in proverbs you're going to find that in that wisdom it isn't always good stuff understand that Solomon. He has dove into some of the most wicked things and, and atrocious things that you could possibly think of, as well as being that righteous man of God that that we know him to be. So it, it's not that his wisdom is derived of pure righteousness, or or that those things which he does are only unto God and and holy. That's not the case with Solomon at all. Within that. Uh, what 700 or a thousand concubines that he has, along with the multitude of wives that he would have. Surely there are some women that have been taken from some other guys. <laughs> Surely there are some some women who at one time were were like David and Bathsheba with the situation of Uriah, which Solomon would be following in his father's footsteps at this point as concerning the adultery perspective that he sees a woman that he wants and that he's the king of Israel so what he wants he takes and and thus you have this issue of of Solomon well understanding the wrath of of a husband whose wife's been taken from him but we also understand in spiritual context to what is being said here that god is a jealous god he's he's made that known throughout scripture already that that he's not willing to share your heart with anything in this world that he that that god does not approve of the adultery we commit against him as coming in, in unto him through jesus christ unto salvation but then flirting with the world again, turning back from the things of God and back from the service of God into the pl- <clears throat> the pleasures that we once rejoiced in before our salvation. And so we understand that even, as much as this is a physical uh, situation that Solomon is speaking of concerning adultery, we also realize that it's dealing with a spiritual matter as well. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is concerning the spiritual matters because how Solomon begins this before he starts talking about adultery. So let's look at verses 20 to 23. The Bible says this, My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you When you sleep, they will keep you, and when you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. So, here in these three verses, you understand that that the commandment and the law are married to each other. The law that is given is that which was learned from the mother, And the commandment is the strength of the law is coming from the father that if these things that the mother has said are not completed or done, then you will deal with the judgment of the father. So this is the way in which a healthy relationship in the family is going to work is that the mother is going to ultimately be to the children a principal instructor. And that the father is going to back the mother in in those things that she has instructed by giving strength to the instruction. And as the father also lays down as it was the commandments that the mother received from what the father's put down, and she keep that as law. So you you have this principal chain of, of... family structure where as revealed in genesis chapter number three that the father is the head of the home which means that he has the responsibilities of laying down that law he has the responsibilities of being stable he has the responsibilities of of being being consistent and being firm and so that there is no doubt as to what's expected of you with within the father but then the mother carries that law as the daily driver the mother is the instructor she is the revealer of that that law so as to understand that if these things are violated then you must face the father and the the justice that is going to come from the violation of the law so the father he establishes the law the mother instructs the law and and reveals to the children the necessity of keeping that law And the mother and father work together for the overall discipline of the children so that the children see that the mother honors the father in the keeping of his commandments, that the father honors the mother in the strengthening of her teachings of of the law, and that in that relationship they love one another so that the children grow up with a healthy understanding of what it means to to be a father if they're a boy or a mother if they're a girl. The reason why we have the the insanity that is going on in our nation right now where boys don't even know if they're boys, where girls don't even know if they're girls, where everybody can do and be whatever they want to be without any <clears throat> without any concern of of some law being violated is because the the home structure and Satan's done a great job with this but the home structure is completely fallen apart the man has relinquished his role of of the the commandments to the the woman the woman has risen herself above the the place that God has has created for her to take the man's role as the man was willing to submit and take the woman's role and 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 the kids don't know what is a real man and the kids don't know what is a real woman anymore so they don't know what they are because they they don't see what they're supposed to see in their own home structure their own families uh it's all upside down because we have not kept god's word we have committed adultery against god by chasing after all of the the dictates and chasing after all of the ways of this world instead of remaining faithful to god's word we let our feelings be our guide we, we listened to our conscience instead of the Holy Spirit, and thus we're in the state of, of the nation that we're in. I know it's a sharp rebuke, but it's a truth. He comes down and he says that, that uh, we are to take the commandments of our fathers and the law of our mothers and bind them continually upon our heart. He says when you roam in other words wherever you go in this life wherever you wherever you go to and become in this life those commandments they're going to lead you those teachings your upbringing is going to guide you now you think about that because the the reality is is that everyone's going to have an upbringing regardless of if it was good or it was bad and if we see that the multitude of, of this nation now and these generations are, are leaning toward those things completely cross and wicked, and we understand that their upbringing is exactly what's leading them, is exactly what they're following as they roam through this, this world, but that that upbringing was a wicked one, that it was ungodly, that it wasn't right. And so that we have a multitude of people who would be sitting back looking at their grandchildren or looking at their great-grandchildren and saying, what happened? How did it get this bad? How did it get this far? We, we often hear the statement, well, I raised them in church. Why have they fallen so far away? What, what What is going on? I did everything that I knew to do. I raised them in church. Now, here, here is an interesting point granted that they've reached an age where they have to make their own decisions and so that it is no longer given unto you to to be the the commander or the lawmaker of of their life anymore you've relinquished that that that's all done but Just raising someone in church is not giving them the proper structure of command and law. Just raising them in church isn't doing them any good at all if it's not reinforced in godly living between the mother and father in the home that godly instruction isn't being provided in the home throughout the week, but that the only time the children really get any type of godly education might be on a Sunday morning, and that the rest of the week the world is more than welcome into the home between the father's life and the mother's life if a father or mother exists, and and the world is more than welcome to educate them through sports, through through. The the education programs through all of these other things that have nothing to do with god at all and then when they finally reach a place where they can make their own decisions where you feel that you have accomplished the great work as a parent that you say okay you're you're on your own you can make decisions now and the first thing they do is leave your church is because they never had any concern for that church. They had a good time with all of their buddies because all of their buddies had to go to church too, but they they spent time with all of their buddies and all of the other stuff and their buddies left church. So they leave church too. And their decision is, is that your church isn't as important as the ball game is the, as the this curriculum, or as the that curriculum, after school stuff, and all these other things, as the work site, and the job, which was more important to you six days out of the week anyways, and possibly on the seventh day as well after church. that they, 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 they went to what they knew was more important, because that's what they were taught was more important. Church was just a very itty-bitty little piece of an overall pie and so unless we change our ways so that God's word and God's house and God's work are most important it's not going to be very important to the young people and believe me they will roam as verse number 22 reveals they will roam and what's going to lead them he says when you sleep they will keep you. That word keep, of course, we've studied that word, is guard, they will protect. They will keep you. And how many restless nights do people sleep in this world today? I mean, seriously, that that do not get rest at all, that go to sleep worrying about every single thing you could dream of under the sun, gripped by a continual state of fear, worrying about everything, when Jesus Clearly said, cast all your care upon me, for I care for you. You say, well, that's just so easy for you to say that. But you don't have to do anything in life. You're a preacher. You you don't have the responsibilities of running a company or this or that or the other. You you can say those things because your life is easy. I'll trade you. (laughs) I'll trade you. Gladly will I trade you. Uh, You can come do the easy life. I'll take your hard life. These these things that we do for the Lord are only a matter of life and death for eternity. As if to say that one of the most stressful positions of being maybe a surgeon or being a doctor is having to try and take care of the physical and mortal life of someone that that they can be able to restore back to health, that this position that I do is only an eternal matter of hell or heaven, of eternal death or eternal life, as concerning the souls of those by whom we mean to reach, just saying, I'll take yours, you come take mine. Then you'll realize the importance of the gospel You'll realize the importance of church. you realize the importance of the eternal things of Almighty God. And then you'll see that when they roam, you'll see what leads them. And the reason why they can't sleep well, you'll understand that too. For it's the commandment of God. It's the law of God that gives us rest at night, knowing whom we follow, knowing whom we serve. And he says in verse 22, when you awake, they will speak with you. How many of y'all been having a good conversation with the Lord lately? Not just a conversation of you praying and telling him everything you need, everything you want, everything you want to do. And then hanging up the phone like that was the end of the conversation. How many of you have spent time just intently reading god's words so that he can speak with you that's a lost point in this modern day that we don't even give him enough time to be able to separate ourselves from all things simply to read his word now i didn't say that we didn't just uh get up in the morning and slap open the bible and throw down a few verses so that we could start our day well that's not the same as if you, that, that's like running through the house, hollering at your mom, telling her where you're going before she even gets a chance to be able to say, well, have a good day, sweetheart. <laughs> the door's already slammed shut. You see, verse number 23 of Proverbs 6 is connected to Psalm 119 and verse 105. hundred five. We'll look at that here. For Solomon says, the commandment of the Father, by the way, the commandment of the Father, which is the law of the mother, is a lamp and a light. Right there, For verse 23. For the commandment is a lamp and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. That's the corrective measures. Guys, we must be corrected. We, we must be governed. Uh, just... Just last night, every now and then I like to go back to some of the classics and movies that I really enjoy watching. And one of them is is called Master and Commander. And the, the, the captain of the English ship, he, he is arguing with the doctor on board. And he makes this definitive statement, which is so true. He says, man must be governed. Elsewise, it's just anarchy. And so that we understand that the home must be governed. That children must be governed. And so that the necessity of a father and his commandment, the necessity of the law of the mother is is absolutely pivotal in, in the uprearing of the children so that the reproof that is given throughout the child's life for the purpose of instruction, can set them in the path of, of living a life worthwhile, of, of a righteous way of life. Look at what Psalms 119 and verse 105 would tell us. This is David, or the father of Solomon, so we know that the apple didn't fall too far from the tree on this one point. Psalm 119 and verse 102. I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, As we understand your word, as he's speaking, David here in this case, speaking to his father, God, he says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. As we come back to this position of Proverbs chapter number six, we see that he says, for the commandment is a lamp, you know, your word is a lamp unto my feet, David said, for the, the commandment, this is God's word, is a lamp, and the law, of course we understand the law is the Ten Commandments plus that 613 concepts or precepts that would be of the Mosaic law, the law is a light, and all of that law is providing reproof, Uh, for for those things which may be off-center, those things which may be in error, so that they have opportunity to learn how to do what is right. The law is not a curse that is given unto us to, to dash us into pieces and to keep us oppressed and smashed down. The law is the establishment of the boundaries that helps us understand how to remain in right living because of knowing what is out of bounds and so in the home it is of absolute necessity that the law be established and that the commandments be kept and that that the strength of the law be exercised so that reproof can come to pass so that young people understand that there are consequences to their actions so that it can be understood what is the boundaries that are to be be kept within in order to not get get the consequences of punishment without. And so it's, it's just vital for us to realize that maybe... There are a lot of homes out there right now that need restructuring. Maybe there, are, there is a necessity for people to repent unto God because they have not been faithful to His instruction as the father and the mother so that they can go forth and instruct their children. Maybe the whole fabric of our society is torn to pieces because people have rejected God's teaching for man's desire. Maybe we can see in our our, our society today an imploding as well as an exploding because we have not listened to God. And I'm not talking about the lost world out there who is expected they're not going to be obedient to God. I'm talking about the Christians watching this. I'm talking about the Christians in this nation. I'm thinking that that's where this whole problem begins. Of course, we can expect that the lost are not going to keep the Word of God, nor are they going to be obedient to the things of God, and yet we find that lost people, in in point to this nation tend to be a little bit more faithful to the things of God that they don't even know. They tend to be a little bit more honorable in those things that are written in scripture than the Christians who are supposed to be studying it. And so that Christians would look at lost people and say, wow, they they seem like they got it all together. Maybe they are going to heaven instead of the saved people living a life of a caliber that would be Evidently separated from the rest of the world. Come out from among them and be ye separate and touch not the unclean thing, his word said. Then I will receive you. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting thought because the, 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 the two worlds have collided in such a mighty way as to skew the lines of what once was a definitive Christianity. Now we don't have any idea what we is. Just people drifting through life without a guide. Like verse 22 would say, when you roam, you're drifting through life. The Word of God will be the guide unless you don't have any clue as to what the Word of God even says. Then you really don't have a guide except for that which you believe of your own self and I wish I was just talking about unsaved people, but I'm not. I'm dealing with Christians, I'm dealing with people who are supposed to be believers, who don't have the foggiest clue as to what the Bible actually says. Comes down and he, he says, for the commandment is a lamp and the law is a light. And what is its purpose? Verse 24, to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Now, this evil woman is recognized as, as wickedness of thought. Now, keep in mind, we're dealing with the Word of God, so we're dealing with the heart. As the commandment of the Father has come, as the law of God is given, we understand that, that these are the things that are dealing with the heart of man. And so, if the Word of God be that which keeps our heart the way that we think the things going on in our minds, if, if it's the word of God that is going to keep us from falling, then the evil woman and the flattering tongue of the seductress is everything that seeks to draw us into the fall. This is everything that's going to allure us, to leave the word of God behind. Those friends that would rather be doing something evil than that which is good, would rather be at the stadium on Sunday instead of God's house serving the Lord, would rather be chasing after the worldly music and the worldly things. Yeah, I had to go to that music thing again. All all of these Wickednesses that would draw us away from from a, a, a pure heart worshiping the Lord this is what God's word is warning us is going to happen to us if we separate from him by chasing after all of that stuff and yet in this modern day it's so easy for us to just hang up the Bible and go out and party with the boys go out and do whatever it is that that we want to do and justify it is, well, it's okay. God understands. No, no, he doesn't. The very purpose behind the commandments of God was to keep us from an evil woman. Interestingly enough, it was the, the teachings of Balaam that drew Israel into the wrath of God by having these seductive women of Balak the king. I believe it was the Malachites, that, that he would parade his women in front of the young men of Israel instead of them being faithful to God's commandments as given to them. They chased after the strange flesh. They chased after the pretty girls that were not the common women of Israel and ended up bringing the whole nation into a slavery under the hands of the Philistines for a time. And every time that Israel was delivered for a period of time, they would be faithful to the Scriptures, but so quickly they would be drawn by the seduction of those that would be of the lands around them, easily replacing the Lord God in their worship with all the gods of the lands, and thus getting them swallowed right back into the slavery of God's wrath. Why do we think we've got a a better handle on that? Why do we think we have an, an upper hand? where they they couldn't even get it straight. (laughs) He says in verse number 25, he says, Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. Interesting point that the eyes would be a part of the the woman's anatomy that would be very decorative and painted with with, uh, all of these different shades of of eye color and they take that mascara and they flick those eyelashes as tall and as straight as they can get them and they 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 color the the backs of their eyelids and and around their 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 eyes so that you are immediately drawn into the their their eyes they capture you and of course a, a woman as a hunter understands that a man is visual and so what he sees, he then from his sight begins to desire. is not the same uh, for women as it is for men. And men are, are literally sight hunters. So what they see, they begin to desire. And once they begin to desire, they will not be satisfied until they obtain. And so it's is funny how he would bring out, Solomon would bring out the, the flattering tongue that she that she rather it be a religion or rather it be a, a person or or a television show. There's a lot of different ways in which uh, the flatterer will speak to you, but will puff you up and lift you up and make you feel like you're you're the man, so to speak. And she draws you in with her speech and with her eyes. And of course Solomon would have to also say that it was the rest. In verse number 26, it says, For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. So true. So true. And an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Amen yeah. to that. Can a man take fire to his bosom? A simple question. Can you, can you reach into to a fire and grab one of the logs on fire and stick it in your pant, pants pocket? <laughs> And the clothes not be burned? <laughs> That's just kind of a dumb thing to think about. Isn't it? I mean, any anything that fire touches, fire consumes, right? So the, the very question that Solomon would have, is, you're going to play with fire, you're going to get burned. That That is exactly what Solomon is saying. So you want to... You want to think that you you have your addiction under control, you're going to get burned by it because you don't have it under control. The only possible way that you could you could even overcome that is to surrender it unto God. And in that surrendering of that addiction unto God, that you surrender the rest of you unto God, so that God becomes your your thoughts, God becomes your a point of service so that in essence, you, you have replaced the addiction of evil with an addiction unto God that is good so that you serve God in its place so that it, it no longer has a hold on you because God has a hold on you. Can a man take fire at his bosom and his clothes not be burned? No. Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? More well, interestingly enough there are people in India and different countries who who practice walking on coals but when you consider the bottoms of their feet they can cruise across these coals that are hot because their feet have already been hardened they've already been burned <clears throat> well a hardened heart already has committed adultery to the point where it is not afraid to commit adultery again. And often those people who are caught in adultery that end up divorced, and ultimately they they chase after the person they were committing adultery with, or they find someone new that they will be found in adultery again, because this is the now inclination of their heart is bent on adultery, unless they are saved from themselves by God, unless their heart is converted by God, they'll continue in that path. He comes down and he says in verse number 29, so is he who goes in to his neighbor's wife, whoever touches her shall not be innocent. Amen. And that's a simple fact. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he's starving. (laughs) Yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. It's not like the thief is going to get away with that which he has stolen and that when he is found, he has to pay it back. But people are not going to readily be as angry with the thief that, that was starving, just couldn't afford it, and is just stealing to be able to try and eat. People, though they will be angered for the theft and they will be upset because the person stole from them, yet still having a heart of compassion to even a small degree is going to understand, well, you're hungry, you could have just talked to me and I would have given you a job. You could have just asked me and I would have given you some food. You didn't have to steal And, of course, that person's going to have to face the the consequences of the law because they did break it. And they're going to have to repay the person that had been stolen from. And the scripture comes down in verse number 32, though, and he says, Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. (laughs) You're just not getting the point. This, This is just not something that you do. Period. He who does so destroys his own soul. Do you hear this? destroying your own soul but it's not just your soul that you destroy it's the soul of the woman that you have committed adultery with that you destroy it's the souls of the other spouses that have been violated because of your wickedness that have been destroyed it's the souls of the children of the families that would be involved concerning the adultery that that will be broken it's it's not just you it's it's Everything around you, it's family units that are broken and destroyed. So when you get into the world and you get into the things of the world and the things of the world are what are more important to you than the things of God and your education program at your home is less about God and more about the things of the world, then you're destroying your home because your home is no longer a a godly center where people will will come to know and follow and trust and believe in the lord yom is now a, a home of of secular stuff that that the children are just going to to grow in and separate themselves from god at the first opportunity that they have wonder if that's happened to a few people it comes down and he says wounds and dishonor he will get and his reproach will not be wiped away. Yeah, wounds. <laughs> yep. Got caught in the act. Got beat down. Got got chased after with a shotgun. Got got threatened. Maybe even people ended up getting killed because of of the wrath of of another husband or another wife. Maybe. Maybe, yeah, you got wounds. You definitely have dishonor, and you will never be forgotten as the adulterer or adulteress that you are. Your reproach will not be wiped away. For jealousy is a husband's fury. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. By the way, God said, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Uh, Very important to understand, when, when you see this, uh, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. God, God is not going to spare in the day of vengeance. You go chase after the world. You go, you go live your life according to the ways of this world. I, saying you're a Christian, just using that term is cheap. Is cheap words. You go ahead and keep playing the fool and chase after the world and the things of it and and ignore God. He's not going to be a friendly person when you meet him in that day of judgment. For vengeance is his to repay. And he said right here that he will not spare. If you've got some things to get right with God, I wouldn't wait. I'd suggest you go ahead and go and get right with God because he will not spare. He will, in verse 35, accept no recompense, nor will he be appeased, though you might try to give him many gifts. God don't play that game. Father, we thank you and praise you, asking your blessing upon us the rest of this day that we may consider these truths, Lord, very difficult, very powerful, but they are truth nonetheless. We ask that you will bless us with these things in Jesus' name, this day. Amen. All right, guys. God bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, and I'll catch you tomorrow as we carry on in 1 Corinthians, moving over into chapter number 2. So we'll catch you then.